listening to 90% Mental, Conversations with Grant Parr, Episode 113. Mental performance coach Grant Parr sits down with Peter Taunton, founder and chairman of the board for Lyft Brands, who shares what it takes mentally to be a driven and authentic entrepreneur. Peter believes that successful entrepreneurs have to be willing to be vulnerable with the process of failing and fully commit to servicing their vision and the people around them. In this interview, you will get a true understanding of what it takes for an entrepreneur to believe and trust in their dreams. You're interested in a full body resistance training system to achieve your athletic and fitness goals? The Mass Suit from Juke Performance is your answer. The Mass Suit is a full body resistance training suit that you wear during your exercising or sports specific training to enhance your speed, strength, power, agility, and endurance. You are fully mobile and it's great for plyometric and high intensity training. It engages all muscle groups simultaneously and increases to a 50% caloric burn. Check out the Mass Suit at jukeperformance.com and other fitness-related products, and make sure to use the promo code GRANTPAR, one word, G-R-A-N-T-P-A-R-R, for your 10% discount. Hey, Peter, how are you? Grant, I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me on your show. I'm, I've been looking forward to this all week. All right. Well, I'm excited to... Uh, just to get in your mind a little bit and, and understand your journey as an entrepreneur. But essentially, I'm going to ask a ton of questions about your mindset as an entrepreneur. And, and hopefully my listeners will learn a lot about what you've gone through in the last 30 plus years of your career and, and learn about what you're doing now. So I'm really excited to have you on my show. Great. No, fire away. When you say you want to get in my mind, be careful. There's not a lot of room up there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, you know, Let's start with with mental toughness. I I always start my show with setting the tone about being mentally tough or mental toughness. So when you think about being mentally tough as an entrepreneur, what does that mean to you? You know, mental toughness. It's you know, I know that you were that you were a former athlete and um, and and I was as well. The, the discipline that you need on the field in the court is the same type of discipline and tenacity you need to have within business and. There's going to be those character building moments. Uh, I, I haven't I've never met an entrepreneur, a self-made entrepreneur who's never experienced some some level of adversity or road rash along the way. And there's a lot of times in that journey towards uh, financial freedom that you um, that, that you feel like quitting. Right. Because it's not easy. And, uh, you know, I love a quote from Steve Jobs. You know, Steve Jobs said to be an entrepreneur, you got to be a little bit crazy because it's hard work and nine out of 10 of them fail. So you got to be a little bit nuts to do it. And, um, you know, so he's, you know, coming from him, I, I, I respect that. And having experienced it myself, I can certainly relate to it. It's, it's not a straight road to the top. It's, it, you know, it takes twists and turns and, and you got to be mentally tough and you got to be patient. You know, and I, I love when you were talking about, um, about Steve jobs and about failing and, and I, we talk about this all the time on my show about the relationship with, with success and failures. So what is your relationship with failure? I mean, we, we hear in society that you, you need to fail to succeed. And I have a new way of looking at failure. I, I always say fail up or fail forward. Um, so, and I can only imagine with all the years of success that you've had, uh, what is your relationship with failure? 
Well, I'm glad you, that you say that. I, and, you know, I tell my kids, and I do a lot of uh, mentoring with 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 young, young and and established entrepreneurs. And you know, I always say, look, if you're not failing, you're not trying, right? It's so you've got to be able to, you know, you can't be afraid of failure. If you do, that's that that's that's a you're dead in the water. I, and I always say, fear is a dream killer. It really is, you know. And and fear occupies itself between the six inches between your ears, right? It's typically things that you, that you, that you, you can't, you can't control. It can get the best of you. So for, for me, as I sit here and I think about it, um, you know, uh, failure is, is just part of the game and you just got to continue to, 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 to lean forward, lean forward into the future, continue to try to stay relevant with whatever your product is that you're trying to introduce, whether you're in the product or service business and, um, and just continue to be tenacious and fight. It's really that simple. And that mindset never stops, right? It's you never get to a point where you say, you know what, I'm 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 fail I'm failure adverse now. I don't need to think about failure anymore. Because in order to stay relevant in today's day and age, you've always got to be innovative, you know, thinking you're very innovatively um, innovatively and and always moving forward. It's 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 a tough game. Totally. And you and you talk about mindset. So how would you describe your mindset and what motivates your mindset? Well, you know what? Um, I always say winners like to win, right? Um, Winners like to win and, and hard work works. Those are two of my favorite, right? (laughs) I love it. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I'm getting ready to launch a a CBD oil company here in the next next 30 days. And it's something I've been working on for about the last three, four months um, and people say, Peter, why, why, what, what the hell are you doing this for? You know, you've, you're a nine figure net worth guy. You've, you've, you know, you've worked your tail off for the last 35 years. Why don't you just, uh, chill and, and, you know, smell the flowers a little bit or whatever, whatever retirement is. And, and I don't even like that word, by the way, I would say retirement is overrated. I always say I'm transitioning. Mm-hmm. So for me, I always say I'm, I'm transitioning to my next gig and, what does it look like to me? You know what? I don't, I don't want to be average. So if I'm going to be in the CBD oil business, I go in it with the mindset of, I want to be the best in the space. That's, that's my goal. That, that's what I aspire to do. I don't want to go into the space and say, you know what? I'm just going to limp along and half-ass my way through this. Yeah. I'm going to get in there with pistols drawn and do the best I can. I, I love it. I love it. So with that attitude and, and that motivation, can you reflect, and I know, I, I know there's tons of experiences that you've gone, gone through along the way, but can you share a specific time throughout your career where you had to be mentally tough? Yeah, you know what? It's, I, think, I think early on, the, the very first opportunity that I had in the health club business, which, which kind of winds you back you know, some 30 years where I was given an opportunity to turn around a failing club and literally – one of the first couple of days of, of stepping into the job and I was walking into a club that had was losing cash flow wise a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. So they said, look, Peter, we're going to give you an opportunity to come in here. And if you can turn this club around, we'll let you buy us out with the profits that it generates. So that was the opportunity for me. They paid me $16,000 a year, which is, wow. you know, a, a sniff from poverty. Right. <laughs> right. Right. We're pretty damn sure it was poverty if I come to think, think about it. But the bottom line is the 
when when I got into the, the my my very first day on the job, I told the entire staff, "Hey, look, everybody, sh show up tomorrow morning. We're going to clean the club from corner to corner because the place was a pigsty for starters. So the first thing we needed to do was just clean everything, give it a deep clean. Well, when I got there in the morning, one of the staff before I even got started, everybody's kind of lined up and they're waiting for a kind of direction. And the, this 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 woman takes a step forward. She goes, Peter, you know, before we get started, I'd like to just. Uh, um, say something to you. And I said, well, by all means, go ahead. She says, uh, we don't clean, right? So we don't clean. And I, so what do I say to that? I'm thinking, now here I am, I'm 22 years old, rocking the mullet, uh, never led people before. I'm like, what the hell? And so the only thing, the first thing that came to my mind is, well, this is a character building moment, right? So I, and I, but I just said to her, hey, look, and you also don't have a job. So I, I pointed to the door. Well, you know, she had kind of a dumbfounded look on herself, on her face and her and the four people with her, they walked out the door, right? I didn't, I didn't have any idea who I had fired, but that was my first moment of really true adversity. My kind of, mm. my kind of, you know, holy shit moment, if you will, right? On what, you know, what, what just transpired. Yeah. Uh, and literally I, I turned to my assistant manager at the time and I said, uh, who did I just fire by the way? Right. I mean, I didn't even know. Right. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, and so, you know, that that was my first my first experience of that type of adversity. Now, you know, since then, over the 35 years, I've, I've had adversity that's been more financial. Right. That rather than uh, employee related. But, you know, building a business, it's a team sport. It really is. You know, it's it's totally a team sport. You got to get people to fall in behind you. And for me, that moment I tell you what, the people knew that I meant business, number one. Keep in mind, most of the employees that I had, at that time I was 22 years old, most of the employees I had were older than me. So, you know, that that was hard for some of them to to get their head around as well, that, you know, they're taking direction from this 22-year-old kid who has no management experience. But I tell you what, I've always felt like, I, like I'm very street smart. Mm -hmm. And I always say... I would say the A students work for the C students, right? I'd rather be street smart than book smart any day. Totally. And, and so anyway, I appreciate all the adversity I've had throughout my life and through my and through the, the twists and turns on my career path. It's it hasn't been easy. They've all, they've all been character building moments. But I would say when you make mistakes, learn fast and try not to repeat them. Right. Exactly. Right. A hundred percent. You know, and, you know, obviously this show is about mindset and you know, you just shared something at the very beginning of your career, right? So specifically on your, on your, on your mindset, how, how much has your mindset changed from the time you started being an entrepreneur to now? Like, what are some of the things that you can share that like have developed your mindset? Well, here was, a, you know, a, a very relevant one. And, and once again, you know, in building lift brands and snap fitness and multiple brands, you know, we are a very cash-rich company. Um, we so we're, we're very innovative thinkers, and we're very vertically integrated. Meaning that we're always looking for opportunities to provide a better service for all of our franchisees. And we, I have roughly six thousand locations in twenty-six, twenty-seven countries, spread across three different brands. Wow! So it's a it's a behemoth of a of a of a company, right? So. You've got your own within your own little world. You've got a business in itself. Like if you want to create a software, which is what we did, we wanted to create our own operating software. Now, I took the direction of people that are in the software development business that work for me. And they said, Peter, I believe that we can do it. Now, at the end of the day, I've got to own that decision. 
And but I, I take the I take the information that's given me by people that are in that space. And they said, Peter, I believe, you know, we can do this and it's going to take about a year and and probably a, a million and a half dollars of development time. But, uh, you know, the ROI on it was significant. Well, hell, I'm telling you right now, Grant, it was, you know, three, three, three to four years later, at least three X the cost. And we never really, even though we launched it, it never it never performed like we wanted it to. And right now the company is transitioning into an off-the-shelf type software. So at the end of the day, that was a $5 million whiff all day long. But even more importantly, it was it was not only a whiff, it was the 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 collateral, the human collateral damage over the four years of trying to get the damn thing launched. Once again, you take direction from people that are that are very smart, very intelligent, and and, and you make a decision. Now, with that said, that's the decision-making process. You don't do it in a vacuum. So you, you you put yourself in a room with people that are very bright. You put you put people in the room that that their skill set lends itself towards software development, and then collectively you make a decision and you go with it. So. You know, you can't live when you regret, you know, now in hindsight, I say, you know what, I would never do that again. But right. uh, at the time, it was a, it was an expensive lesson. Big time. Now, the next question, and I don't know if that was that could be your answer on this. But, you know, I always I always ask the question of like when you reflect on your career, like what was your biggest mental win and what was your big men, your biggest mental fail and how did you overcome it? Was that your biggest mental fail, or was there something else? No, that was for sure the biggest uh, mental failure, for sure. That that was it. Because and, and the reason that one left such a mark for me, it's one thing if you make a if you if you if you try something and fail, and it just affects yourself and affects your own pocketbook. That's one thing. Mm. But for me, that decision affected a thousand franchisees. So it, it ended up being a poor decision and, and a decision that I own. Because um, at the end of the day, the decision falls on my shoulders. But you know, we collectively made a decision. There was, you know, six to eight people in the decision-making process, all of which that was their wheelhouse. Um, in terms of wins, you know, my my biggest win that was surreal to me was when I started Snap Fitness, which was about 15 years ago. I had 20 years of experience running and operating these these full service big clubs, the, the one that I ended up turning around and leveraging that into mul multiple other clubs. But I started Snap Fitness 15 years ago, and um, I built that business to about five million of EBITDA. And I had private equity people calling me, literally calling me once every week, once every couple of weeks. And they said, look, we want to invest in your company. And I was privately held. I owned hundred percent of the company. I was, I had plenty of cash flow. I didn't need to sell, but I always talk to people about, you know, being an entrepreneur, you gotta, you gotta know, you have to have the right vision. You have to execute on the vision and you have to have an exit strategy. Okay. What is your exit? Because great ideas, great execution and no exit is that that's, that doesn't work. Right. So for me, I got to 5 million of EBITDA. I traded at a 20 time multiple and, and, uh, I ended up pulling about 47 million out of the company. No debt, 47 million. And the, the surreal moment for me, I could tell you right where I was walking down the first fairway of the golf course I was playing that, that morning. I got up extra early. I signed literally 
400 pages of documents and that's no bullshit, 400 pages. I'm like, my God, what am I signing away here? Right. Mm, wow. But I got a phone call from my attorneys and they said the funds have been transferred. And I went to my Wells Fargo account and I looked at it and there was $47 million sitting in my personal checking account. That is the American dream of an entrepreneur. Okay. Mm. That was surreal. That's, that was my biggest win. I literally, I teared up, right? Cause here's this little guy from little Wilmer, Minnesota, went to school in a two room schoolhouse, quit college. I'm like, what the hell, what did I ever do to deserve this? Right? So it was surreal. And then I ended up doing it, get doing it again about five years later, same thing. Right? So it, you know, it ended up being today, today I own 44% of the company and, and, and then I'll be out in the next transaction. But the first bite of the apple was the sweetest for wow. me. Wow, That's beautiful. That's a beautiful story. Now, we're all motivated as entrepreneurs um, for various reasons. And outside of the obvious, and I'm not saying that money was the key inspiration or a motivator. For, it could have been. But when you exclude making money and revenue, what, what drives you to be an entrepreneur? Well, I love the challenge, but I, I'm not going to lie, Grant. I mean, I was motivated by money, no question about it. Because when you have, when you, when you grow up with very little, mm-hmm. you know, and I always laugh about this, but when people say money can't buy you happiness, the only people that ever say that are the people that, that are rich. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm telling you straight up, given the choice, having money or no money, take the money. Okay. Just all things being equal. Right. So, right. Yeah, but it's true. Money can't buy you happiness that I, you know, I've, ex- I've experienced that, you know, as well, but, um, right. you know, so what was the question? And I got too caught up in, no, no. And I agree. I agree with you because I think, uh, you know, I, I look at money as, um, obviously m- making money is it's, it's energy, but it's also freedom. And I'm not saying like the freedom it's, might not be happiness all the time, but I have freedom to move around in this world. I have freedom to kind of operate the way I, I would like to without any, having any kind of constraints. No, um, it's, it's so true. So, you know, as I see here, I think about today, early on, up until probably, probably, you know, five years ago, I was, I was completely motivated by making money because I equated to making money to being successful. Okay. The two worked hand in hand and that was my mindset. But I always, I always also knew that, as I said earlier, that, you know, business, it's a team sport. Success is a team sport. And I always felt like when I'm winning, everyone around me should win at some level as well. Okay. And, and so for, for me, five years ago, that mindset changed because I just woke up one day, I went through a divorce. Um, and, and, you know, that's a really, that's a, a, a moment of reflection in itself because for the first time you feel like you've really failed and you're not, you not only failed yourself, you failed your children. So it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it gets in your head, right? Yeah, I know yeah. it was the right thing to do, um, because everyone deserves to be happy, but, uh, nevertheless, we're always, we're hardest on ourselves, right? So now I look at it and I say, what do I want to do? What does the next 50 years of my life look like? And truly, it's doing what I'm doing right now. I do a lot of, I, I do a lot of mentoring to young. I love the young entrepreneur. You know, when I say young, I'm talking 30 and under and they're, they're ready to step out from their day job and they want to start this company. And what I try to do is put them in a position where they have a better chance of success, meaning they have a well thought out plan. Do they have enough capital? 
You know, what, what is their strategy? Is it relevant? What is the competitive threats? Where are you going to go? I mean, all these things that come into, come into play that I've got, you know, 30 years of experience in, in, in navigating through. So I love to help others. I love seeing other people win. I've got a soft spot for the people who serve our country, um, especially the families of fallen soldiers. So my, my, my philanthropic endeavors are meaningful to me. I've got, a, I've got a strong faith. I'm a work in progress. Make no mistake about it, okay? I'll be the first to tell you I'm a, I'm a work in progress when it comes to my faith. But I do know this. How in the hell does a guy come from a two-room schoolhouse, quit college, and and have a nine-figure net worth, have a private jet, a yacht, a penthouse in Miami, a $10 million home in, in Minnesota? I mean, that's just not normal, okay? So <laughs> for me, I take a step back, and I say, okay, okay, God, you tell me what you want me to do, because I'm yours from here on out, right? How can I help? So I do create. I do some crazy things. You now people say I'm a little, a little bit nuts. I'm a bit of a cowboy at heart. I always say I was born about 150 years too late. But I love. I get on my pedal bike. Believe it or not, I get on my pedal bike with a t-shirt and my and my jeans and and I, I pull this raggedy old trailer behind me with with uh, cupcakes and cookies and water. It's a bunch of shit that nobody should eat. And I go into the hood of Miami, right? <laughs> By myself, I go into the hood of Miami and I just make friends with the homeless, right? And I roll up on them. I don't, I don't, they have no idea who I am or what I'm about, nor should they give a, give a darn, right? But I just make friends. And, uh, and then when I, when I'm done, when I make friends, I, I, and I always ask them, how'd you get here? I'm like, what got you here? How, how'd you end up? And, you know, they love, they love to share the story. I promise you, there's no one homeless out there that, woke up that that at five years old said, I hope someday I can be homeless, right? None of them want to be there, right. right? Totally. But when I'm done with them, I say a little prayer with them. I chop my way through that. But then I say, are we friends? And they say, yeah, we're friends. So then I'll take out my phone. That's the only time I take my phone. I take a selfie of us and then I'll post it. I'll say, and I'll say, meet my new friend, Eric. Okay. As an example, right? And I've been doing that now for about five months and Here's what's what I what I think is so beautiful. Every time I head down to the grocery store or whatnot, where I see a lot of the homeless, I mean, there's always somebody yelling my name across the street. You know, they're yelling my name. They say, you know, they either say, "Hey, pistol," or you know, they, some of my friends call me pistol, or or, or "Hey, Peter," right? And right. and it's always one of the homeless guys, right? So I may I go bullshit with them for a little bit, but it's it does more for me than it does for them. I promise you. Totally. It's, it's, it's my way of giving back a little bit, uh, and I just absolutely love it. I love that whole experience. I love it, man. It's, there's nothing like being in service. Um, to, to me, it's the, it's the role of all roles. I don't care what it is. If you're in service, man, that's like, man, that's honorable. And, and that's why I do what I do. Um, it lights me up. And I, and I wasn't in service most of my life. I, I was wanting people to service me. And right. now, yeah, so now I've changed that paradigm and it's just a, I mean, my energy, my frequency just is when I'm, when I'm locked into that service mindset and coming from heart, man, it's, uh, it's amazing. And your story, it, this is, resonates with me because, uh, one of my favorite football coaches is Pete Carroll for the Seattle Seahawks. And when he used to coach, yeah, when he coached for the, for USC back in the day, uh, which, you know, the, the ghetto and a lot of gangs were right around the corner from from Watt, um, Watts Avenue. So 
he would actually there. I, I believe it was like once a week, or maybe it could have been once a month. But he would literally by himself, white guy walking into predominantly black Mexican ghettos, if you will, and walk in and just talk. And he would all he would do is just connect. And and he was doing that for a long time. And they they obviously, you know, put it on CNN, I believe. But he that that was his that was his service. That was, his energy was his offering. So he was. He was doing what you were doing. I love that. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. Now, yeah, yeah. yeah, I love that. I love that. He's he's a stand-up guy, you know. The more you the more you hear about that guy, the more you hear about just what a stand-up guy he is. Totally. Totally. Just real and authentic, man. Um, right. the only way to be, <laughs> right? No, I, I always say, you know what? Money doesn't make the man. And yeah. it's it's a, such a true statement. You know what? There's nothing worse than someone who's just, they, they feel entitled or condescending because they happen to have a little bit of scratch. It's just, it's such a non-factor in terms of the character or, or, or who you are. Totally. You know, and real quick, this is actually a cool story. Um, my mentor, uh, Graham Betchart, he's one of the predominant like mental skills trainers for, um, for MBA or for the MBA. Uh, 15 years ago, 15 plus years ago, when he was in his grad program, he actually wrote a business plan that was based off free. So the business was, everything was going to be free. So how do you make money? How does that, I mean, that's not a winning business model, right? But it was all based off energy and service. So he, his whole deal was, I want to get young, kids so young and so involved and invested in this work that by the time I have, I have been their, their guide, like he calls himself Graham the Guide. And so, and then, and if at that point, if they feel like it's been worth the ride, if they want to pay him, fine. But his whole thing, he had a total business model and everyone was like, that ain't going to work, man. Right. Well, guess what? He's living pretty good right now. Yeah, right. You know, right. Yeah. all from service. People are drawn to that energy, you know, and I, I, t I tell, man, I mean, had I known service was going to be so rewarding, I would have done it a long time yeah. ago, but I was so caught, I was so caught up in myself <laughs> and making money, you know what I mean? It's just embarrassing, you know, I was just so caught up in the, all the bullshit and, but you know what, here's the deal, you can't, you can't turn back time, you got to own it. Yeah, right? totally. You got to own it and just say, look, okay, that was me then. I'm not that guy anymore. So everybody just just cut me some slack and let's just move on, right? So, yeah, it's you know what I mean. It's just I, I I've had some not so many proud moments in my 30s and early 40s. Hey, look, it is what it is, right? Because you're just trying to make it happen. Yeah, big time. Man, I've I've looked at the last two decades of my life where I wasn't playing a big game, and last five years I've been playing a huge game. And I look back and I'm like, as much as I want to say, man, I wish I was more in service. Man, I wish I would have played a bigger game. But you know what? That's my journey. That's my story. That's And if I didn't learn from it, well, then, yeah, I might be a little bit pissed off. But I've learned a ton from it. And I'm glad I went through that shit. Yeah, that's a great point. You know? Yeah. So I'm I'm grateful for it. Now I'm playing a big game. And now I just I got to play a bigger game. And I'm having fun doing it. Um, I love it. I'm gonna steal that from you. I love that. I'm playing a bigger game. Yeah, I love it. I'll footnote you though. I love that saying. Cool. Right? Yeah. <laughs> big time. Big time. Well, well, you're talking about like also being in service, um, and and working with you know, building relationships with homeless, and all the things you've done as an entrepreneur. I talk. It's it's all about vulnerability, 
And when you think about being a leader or a, a CEO, how much, how important is it to be vulnerable? Well, I think, I think it's, I think it's everything. And I, you know what I've had, it's just such the pl- pleasure of working with so many really, really, really talented people that are, that, you know, to me, they were loyal, extremely loyal. And I always say, you know what, I truly believe if a hand grenade came into the room, there, there was some of my people would dive on it for me. They were just that loyal. And, and I think to get that kind of loyalty from your employees, number one, you got to be at one with them. You can't be condescending. And, and I learned that from my, my father that, you know, my dad had a small grocery store in our, in our little hometown and he was not above anything. I mean, hell, you'd see him outside shoveling the walk, right? There was, he, he'd be at the checkout stand. He'd be shoveling the walk. There was no, he would, he didn't put himself above anything. He would get in the trenches with the people. So I think today, even in corporate America, for me, you know, I was so wildly successful because I had people that would come to bat for me. They had the same passion for the business as I did. I truly loved my business. I loved it, and I loved the people. and 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 I and I would and I would put my money where my mouth is. I had some employees where I helped co-sign for their home, right? Mm, wow. Because because the. You know, they were just that I had that much confidence in them. I didn't I wasn't worried about their job security because they were so good at what they did. Right. So um, I, th- I think being vulnerable with people is it's it's um, it, it, what's the word that I'm looking for? It's it's you know, it, it's compelling. It's contagious yeah. and people love it. Right. They, they want to be around that real and raw, authentic people. Big time. Big time. And I think we're, we're just living in a, and I bring it up just because we live in a society now where that word is, um, it's widely used in more of a positive way, more of a, a stronger, strengthening way. Because back in the day when I grew up, and to be vulnerable was weak. And, and vulnerability, especially when you think about being a vulnerable athlete, there's one thing about being vulnerable with your, your actions and, and, and your words and your emotions, but being vulnerable with your play. Like if you are playing basketball and you've missed eight shots in a row, are you going to be vulnerable in that next moment when you get the ball in your hands to shoot it and trust yourself? Or are you going to not be vulnerable and pass it because you're, you're caught up in your shit because you haven't let go of any of those failures, right? And then when you think about the workplace, you know, vulnerability, I think it it can be a little bit tricky um, because sometimes when you're being vulnerable with information or your emotions in the workplace, you don't know what that other person's going to do with it. Right. Right. So, but still, you trust, right. You have right, to trust. Totally. And, you know, and Brene Brown is an expert in, in this and she talks about, you know, being vulnerable. There's like this, like not, not an equation, but it's more when you're vulnerable, you're courageous. When you're courageous, you're brave. And yeah. yeah. Right. So, right. so I just, that's why I posed the question because in the workplace, you know, vulnerability can be a little bit, I don't know, a little bit touchy, a little bit different than it is maybe like on the field, if you will. Yeah, I think, you know, vulnerability in, in, in the workplace is obviously it's you, you show empathy for people because everybody when you have hundreds of employees, yeah. everybody's going through their stuff. Right. And when somebody has the courage for me, my management style was always, look, I've got an open door policy. I don't care who, who you are, or what role you're playing within my company. If you've got something that you feel you want to talk to me about, by God, come in. Right. So I was always I was always very empathetic for and compassionate for people that were going through something uh some sort of a struggle and and if i could help them through the struggle in some way whether whether it be advice or financially um i I would try to help them where i could right and 
And some of it was a, a very heavy load for it. But I think being completely vulnerable, not being afraid to show emotion. And, and you know what, to me, when you, when you, when you feel like you, like, you know, when your feelings are hurt and you cry, that's raw, that's real. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. your feelings are hurt. Right. Or, or you're empathize, you're, you're showing empathy for someone else and say, man, that really sucks. I, you know, I really, I'm, I, I feel for you, brother. I'm here. What can I do to help? Right. Those are the real things rather than trying to be the stoic, you know, cowboy bullshit front that everybody wants to put on that, that just doesn't work. That's just not, not going to, you know what people want real and raw. Yeah. You know, I've more often than not, when I, when I'm working with athletes, um, actually on the field or in their environment, depending what the environment is. And also even in the workplace, there's so many times where people have gotten emotional where they've cried or they're about to cry. And I hear this all the time. I hear it. I'm sorry. I shouldn't be doing this. I'm sorry that I cried. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like you just had a human experience. Like right. we're let that out because if you don't let it out now, it's going to come out somewhere else and it's probably going to be a bad timing. So right now is good timing. Like right now is good. Let it out. I'm with you. You're just having a human experience. That's it. No, that's right. And you know what? I, I, I talk about this all the time that, you know, we all have baggage mm. and the older we get, if you don't let that baggage go, the old, the, the older you get, the heavier the baggage becomes, okay? So you've got to learn to let it go, to free it up and let it go and, and forgive yourself. And, and, you know, for me, I'm at a place in my life, Grant, where I honestly, I don't dislike anyone. I don't have anybody in my, I, don't, I can't think of one person on the planet that I don't like, right? That I've got some ax to grind with them. I don't have any baggage. Even my ex-wife, man, I, I, I just, I, I think the world of her, I think she's a good person. I hope that she finds love. I don't, I just, you know, I'm not that guy. I don't, even if I'm in an argument, I can be, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes later, I'd say, hey, let's go grab a beer. Because uh, I'm over it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I air it out. When, when I'm mad, you know I'm mad. And, and I don't fly off the handle very often. But when I'm mad, I'm mad. And then I get over it and let's go. Right? Because this is life. So, man, you said a lot of stuff that made my uh, my hamster in my brain here. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of good stuff here, Peter. I love it. I love it. Uh, you talked about a lot about uh, mentoring and obviously doing what you've been doing for the last 35 years. You've had to lead uh, the business and people around you. But right now that you're in service and you're, you're mentoring a lot of new entrepreneurs, if you will. So from your perspective, typically where are you seeing entrepreneurs or new entrepreneurs miss the mark or fail or maybe uh, – any blind spots that you see when entrepreneurs are just first starting out? I think the, I think the, the, one of the biggest, there, there, there's two or three things that come to mind right away. And, and the first one is they, they haven't thought through the plan is not fully thought, thought through. Okay. They, they have an idea, but the, the gap to bridge between an idea and full blown execution that is a huge gap to bridge, right? And and they miss a lot of the steps along the way there. So I think number one, they haven't thought through all the different steps. Number two, they have to understand patience, and 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 that's hard for them to do because it's it's not making building a company doesn't happen overnight. You have to be patient and you have to be able to accept that you're going to experience some failure, some road rash. You're going to make some mistakes along the way. So and then the last piece of it is, is fear. Don't be afraid of those mistakes. You and I, we spoke about it earlier. Fear is part of the game, right? It's part of the game. And, and then the last piece of it is 
don't bet the company. You know, you have to you have to make bets along the way when you're building a company. If you're not betting, if you're not betting into the future, so so you, l listen to what I'm saying. If you're not betting into the future, then you're not going to be relevant. You're going to wake up one day and everybody else is going to have blown by you because what was once great is now average. So you've got to make bets along the way that, that you're going to continue to move down a path of relevance with the customer. Because the moment you become um, irrelevant to the customer is the day that your business is flatlined. Mm -hmm. All right. So I think for people understand, make bets, but never bet the company. OK, never make these bets where where, where if, if you whiff, the company is in financial dire straits. All right. And you see that happen now and then. Don't bet the farm. Be cautious with your cash. Don't over lever your company. I talk about that all the time. So, you know, all of those lessons that I've learned along the way is what I share. Right. But I think one of the biggest things is 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 patience and then a, a well thought out plan all the way through execution and exit. Mm, big time. Right. I big deal. It. If you build a company and you can't sell it, if you're the company, then hell, you're gonna you're 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 a slave to your own comp your own business. So you've got to develop a business that can that that where you can bring someone else in to run the company and you can exit. That's when that's when the magic happens. That's when you get the big payday. Yeah. I love that you bring that up because I've had multiple conversations with my wife about this because she works with, I mean, she works with tons of different companies. And we talk about how when entrepreneurs or CEOs, when they, they grow something so special and so beautiful, but they've, they don't know how to get out of their own way and, and they don't know how to exit. They don't know how to play nice. They don't, I mean, I can keep on going, but right. A good CEO or a good entrepreneur knows their limit. They know their skill set. They know when it's time to actually have some coming in that probably has a different or better skill set to run the company. Right. Yeah, there's no there, there's no question. All of those things, and you know what, running a company, it's not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. And you know, lately, there's you know, people like to throw in this word. Oh, he's narcissistic. Yeah, you know what? I think that's an overused word, by the way, mm. right? Because you know what. When you're making decisions for hundreds of people, you gotta you gotta have a little. You have sometimes it may come off as, as narcissistic, but you're making decisions that hundreds of families are counting on. That you make the right decision every day, right? And and sometimes you can't look around the room and get the consensus from the from the entire office before you make a decision, right? So I think I, I think from from a perspective of running companies that you know what you gotta be able to you gotta be able to 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 get a um, get feedback from people, but at the end of the day, you have to be able to make a decision for yourself. You know, you have to be able to pull the trigger and own that decision. Same times as in some cases when the company outgrows you or you're not willing to put the effort in that you did, that you once were right. You see that happen all the time. And, you know, maybe that's a good time to transition out. Right. So, and then you see other things. I mean, look at, look at, uh, um, Schultz from Starbucks. He left, he left Starbucks and then came back. Mm -hmm. OK, so that happens, too. Right. I mean, they, he felt like he like he wanted to get out of the way and let the company grow. And what happened? The damn thing, you know, it started to slide a little bit. The economy took a pivot and and um, and Starbucks took a pivot along with it and he came back. Right. Yeah. So 
that's business, right? Totally. I mean, even job. I mean, different circumstances, but Steve Jobs did the same thing, you know. Right. So it's right. You you step away and you come back and 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 you realize, you know, whether it be the the you know if it's private equity or whoever it is, comes back and says, look, you know what? Um, we want you back. We want that culture back in the company. We we want that culture back. It's gonna it's because it's gonna be a battle. We got to be ready to go to war. And fight our way back out of this, and we don't think any. We don't think we can do it without somebody like you. That people are going to get fall in line behind and work their asses off, because it, as we said before, success in business it's a team sport. Yeah. Period. It's a team sport, man. You got to get people to go to battle with you. I love that. I love that. So one more question before we close out. And again, Peter, I I, I could talk to you for another two hours on this stuff. So I I love it. I love it. But when, this is good stuff. All right. Well, when you when you reflect on your whole career, shoot, your whole life, what do you think you've learned the most about yourself? Oh man, that's a great question. Um, what have I learned the most? I know this. Um, I know that I'm a good guy. Mm. Okay, I know at the core of my heart that I'm I'm the same guy today. Now, you know, I I may I may have more money today. But I'm still that kid in that two-room schoolhouse. I'm still that eight-year-old kid selling popcorn for my dad in front of his grocery store. So, you know, I, I know that I've got a good heart. I know that I'm compassionate for others. Um, I know that I root for the underdog every day, and I put my money where my mouth is every day for the underdog. I've never been a big fan of bullies, right, especially bullies picking on the, the under the you know, the, the underdog. So, you know, all of those things mesh together is, is who I am. And I think it's those things together that make people want to fall in line and say, look, I want to work for a guy like that because it's not about the money. It's about the people. And when you get, the, when you get the people to go to battle with you and fight with you side, shoulder to shoulder, that's, that's when the magic happens, right? Now you have to have a great, you have to have a good business and a plan and, but the execution all falls on the shoulders of people. So, what have I learned? I learned that those qualities um, are, are attractive to people. It's, it's contagious, and, and, and uh, people love to work for that, that type of character. I think when we know who we are, uh, and I say this a lot with athletes, and I don't even care, and I call you know executives or workplace professionals, I, I call them corporate athletes. Right. And, and so when we know our sense of self, so... So being an entrepreneur and being a CEO, whatever that title is, that's what you do. It's not who you are. Right. And so when we understand who we are, like you said, like I'm a good dude at the core. Like when you know that, I mean, that that's where I, I think that's where you can be authentic and that's where your energy can be. Not only you can give your energy, but it can be received in a more authentic way. And, um, and I just, I love saying that is like, whatever you do in life, that's what you do. It's not who you are. And some people are so wrapped up in what they do and their identities, like to be a CEO or to be a quarterback. And when that shit goes away, they don't even know who the hell they are. Cause they haven't spent the time figuring that out. No, that's right. Yeah. It's, it's such a great point. And, and, and it's true. You know what? It's not my, I've, I spent 35 years in the wellness space, but the lessons that I've learned within the wellness space, it can transcend into, into just about any other business because people are people and leading a team is leading a team and mentoring people is mentoring people. It doesn't matter what, what, what vertical space you reside in. People are either, are either going to go to battle with you or they're not. And, um, and, and so that for me, like when I'm mentoring people, 
I get right down, I get right in the dirt with them. And I say, look, here's what's coming. And sometimes the light at the end of the tunnel, it's a train, right? So you got to, you, you know what I mean? You got to say, look, you got to get out of your own way a little bit here. So let's see how we can pivot to save you, to save you some of the hardships that maybe I went through or somebody else. Because through 35 years in business, man, there's some learning experiences along the way, right? I mean, you learn, you learn a lot and, and you hold on to those things and you say, wow, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> totally. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So, so Peter, how do my listeners, how do they follow you, connect with you on social media? Where can they go? It's, it's really easy. So for me, it's, it's Instagram. And this is kind of funny. Uh, Instagram, here's, here's why I'm not the creative director. My Instagram handle is Peter underscore Taunton. So my name. So <laughs> yeah, I don't have some flashy, you know, uh, uh, nick, nickname, anything like that. So it's Peter underscore Taunton. Uh, T-A-U-N-T-O-N. So, you know, follow me. And, and here's what I do. You know what? For me, I'm all about I'm all about, you know, mentoring and helping people through the through the through the, the heavy lifting of starting a company. Right. That's what I'm about. The in the in the private sector, I give my services away for free, by the way, mm-hmm. for those young entrepreneurs. Right. Because I love it. That's what that's part of myself giving back. I love doing these podcast things because I can reach a broader group. The other side of it is if corporate America contacts me and they want consulting, I charge them a thousand dollars an hour, but I have them make the check payable to my foundation. I donate a hundred percent of the way, a hundred percent of it away. So for me, it's not about the money. It's about the people. And, and that's what the next 50 years of my life looks like. I give I'm done making money. I'm going to give away a hundred percent of everything I make to try to, to just fight my own little fight, my own little world. Wow. That is playing a, a big game. That's that's playing a huge game right there. <laughs> we'll see, right? I mean, I hope so. I hope, you know, I hope I hope when I take my last breath and I'm standing at the pearly gates that I'm hoping that God says, "Hey, well done, my son." Right? Yeah. Well done. Right? So Absolutely. That's 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 awesome. That's just uh, that's beautiful and your your trajectory of your journey uh, that you've gone through is just beautiful, man. And I, I want to thank you for being on the show to just to, to share your mindset um, and being vulnerable about your story. Um, it's just this has been a treat, man. And and I really appreciate everything that you've shared on my show today. No, hey, it's it's my pleasure. And as I said before, I, I come back on your show anytime you like. This is good stuff. I love I love the the, the free flowing of the questions. Most of my most of the podcasts I've done. This one is so unique because everything I've done prior to this, it's all been, hey, Peter, tell me about your story. And they want and they want me to bring them back to eight years old selling popcorn for my father. <laughs> so I take them down this damn journey that's like 50 years, right? And <laughs> you're chopping a lot of wood there, right? right. I love this because this is all in your in your head, between your ears type stuff, which is which to me is the best. Totally, totally. And it's uh... – you know, I, I've experienced, you know, my own journey as an entrepreneur and I'm doing it right now running my own business. And it's just been a beautiful experience with all the, the failures that I've gone through and all the successes I've gone through. And then now that I have all of this, uh, all these tools now, um, as a mental performance coach, now it's like game on. Like I have all this like real life experience behind me as an athlete, as a coach, as a sales leader. Now I'm running my own company by myself. But it's, but I feel I'm like, I'm prepared now. I, I can't even be, this is the most I can be right now is prepared for this, this journey in this moment. So, so when I hear you talk about your journey, it's, um, 
it's just awesome. And then what you've what what you're doing with your success, like you've you have arrived, and now you're going to continue to arrive, but you're doing it in a different way with with helping other people and donating your money. That's just um, that's that's service right there. It's awesome. Yeah, it feels it feels good. As I said, it does more for me than it does for them. I, I promise you that. Beautiful. Beautiful.